Welcome to Walking Dharma Podcast, the podcast where we attempt to demystify classical spiritual teachings and apply them to modern day living. I'm your host, Kristen Coyle. Today's episode is called What is Intuition and What is Fear? Big question mark. And this is really motivated by my own day-to-day experiences with trying to differentiate between fear-based thinking and my actual intuition coming in to deliver a subtle yet potent message. And the tendency for most of us, at least myself, is that I will slip into fear-based thinking anytime something doesn't go exactly to plan. For example, today my car broke down in the middle of Berkeley and thankfully I trusted my intuition. I had this little voice tell me, before the car starts shaking too much, you should pull over in a neighborhood. And I was getting ready to get on the highway and sure enough, as soon as I got pulled over into a sweet little neighborhood, the car totally died and it would hardly drive forward when I did get it started again. And I was so upset about the car breaking down because it kind of feels like the only safety line that I have in the material realm right now. And my instant reaction was to go towards this like, oh my God, worst case scenario, like immediately to dive into the worst case scenario. And suddenly I flipped my perspective. I started to remember, wow, be so grateful that you had enough clarity and sense of judgment to tune into your intuition and pull over. Because had I come from a more fear-based perspective, I would have tried to drive the car home across this huge bridge over the ocean and all the way back to North Bay where I'm living right now. And there was just something in my mind that said, you know, that little shake, it, it's not good. And then literally the shaking intensified and I parked and the car died, right? And It's amazing because where I happened to pull over, there was a tow truck five minutes away. So literally five minutes after I called a tow truck, they were there. And the place to repair my type of car was five minutes away as well. And they even arranged for a rental car for me and had me taken to the place. I mean, beyond synchronicities in a way. Because imagine if I wouldn't have trusted my intuition, I would have gotten on the highway and the car would have probably died on the highway. And my own fear-based thinking would have actually led me into more fearful or fear-inducing scenarios. And this is something I've begun to notice a pattern in, in my own life, and maybe you notice it too, is that when I come from fear, And fear normally also has a little bit of energy of like belief in lack, like belief that, you know, people are bad. And so you shouldn't pull the car over somewhere that you don't know, or, you know, the world is not accepting of me. And then we're constantly met with unacceptance, right? It's like the more we have a fear-based thought and turn it into a belief system, of course, naturally, the more the outer world is going to mirror that back to us. And this definitely touches on the law of projection where we don't, where we create our own reality with our thoughts. And this idea really comes across very simply put in the Yoga Sutras. It says, the seen exists for the sake of the seer. 
And basically what that boils down to translating as is whatever we see outside exists because we are the ones projecting it. If the seer doesn't exist, that play on reality doesn't unfold. And so there are circumstances in our life that we don't have control over, you know, especially extreme poverty or being in a war-torn region or experiencing severe trauma or abuse. And I just want to touch on this now because I don't believe that those scenarios have been created by the people who have undergone those nightmares, if you will. So I want to keep this, the focus of the show more on what do we have control over? How does our belief systems, how do our belief systems affect what we do have control over in this reality? There are many schools of thought on whether, oh, we have no control, leave it all to destiny, and then other people say, well, it's all free will, so we create it. And I tend to surf more in the free will boat, where it's like, I've created this for myself, now how do I move through it? But there's a little bit of a tendency to also let guilt be implied in that. It's like, look what you created. So when I talk about creating our reality, I think it's really helpful to stay focused on what are our negative patterns that we have um, accumulated in the form of belief systems about ourselves, about relationships, about the world, and how do they manifest as fear-based thinking? Because the truth is, whenever we're coming from a space of fear, we literally will not be able to listen to our intuition because the intuition speaks very softly and the intuition doesn't have a charge behind it. It's more neutral. It's a simply put thing. Like today when the car broke down, I literally heard in my head, you should pull over. But everywhere else in my mind, in my body, if you will, was screaming, try to get home. Oh my gosh, what are you going to do? You're screwed. And the whole story began to play out. Now, when I pulled over, I was grateful in that moment for my ability to tune in. But then another wave of fear-based thinking came up and I went back into the scarcity mentality and worrying and on the list goes. I mean, the car breakdown scenario could be any scenario in your life, right? So the way I overcame that fear-based thinking again was by noticing that I had the ability to just pause for a moment and quite literally be like, am I really charged about the story I'm telling? And the answer was yes. And when we're really charged about a story that we're telling, normally it's coming from a place of fear, right? So if we're telling ourselves a story that's creating a charge, that's creating fear in our body just by thinking it, it's where it's up to us individually to just stop ourselves from that. To literally be like, whoa, I'm creating this with my mind. And then to tune in for a moment. You can tune into your heartbeat or your breathing or just feeling your body in space. And begin to notice what the more subtle message is that's being conveyed to you in your inner realm. Because fear screams. Fear bangs down the door. Fear goes running telling the whole village that your house is burning down. But intuition, it whispers sometimes. Sometimes it yells at us too, right? But a lot of times intuition is really subtle. It's so neutral. It's almost like a comment rather than a command. 
And the work that I think most of us have to do is to begin to realize that we have the ability to tune more into our intuition than our fear. It's just about changing our mind. It's just about flipping our perspective. Whenever we identify a thought form that's not friendly, meaning it's detrimental, if we continue to hold it and see it as law, if we can identify what that is, then all of a sudden we can begin to shift it. We can begin to do the opposite of what we're thinking. If we can identify a fear-based pattern, meaning something that creates fear and charge or anger in our body when we start to even think about it, then that's the biggest step really is to be like, wow, I'm thinking and believing this about myself. Like for example, I'm believing that I don't matter or I'm believing that the world is scary and people aren't to be trusted or I'm believing that I'm not good enough. Therefore, I'm never going to go for my dreams. You know, and you could just, I'm sure we could all keep going on and on with these belief systems about ourselves, right? If we really start to look at it, it's like, what story are we actually telling ourselves? Because in my experience, the more negativity we cultivate towards ourselves, of course, it's going to be projected out onto others in the world. I actually have a really interesting example of that today. When I was waiting for the tow truck... Um, I was consciously calming down and just noticing the beautiful trees and what guardian angels I had to park in one of the most beautiful neighborhoods ever somehow with my car and the tow truck guy came and I thought he saw me and I was waiting for him to back up and he was blocking a woman's drive driveway and I was in the car quickly gathering because I didn't expect him to be there in five minutes. I'm coming from Hawaii, where it takes the tow truck driver a little bit longer than that. Maybe, you know, three hours, maybe an hour, if you're lucky. So I was totally off guard, gathering my things. And I see the woman pull up, and she's blocked to not go down the road by the tow truck, right? She gets out of her car all aggressively and goes up to the tow truck driver and tells him really in a mean way, you're blocking my driveway, I need you to move right now. Just like that. And then she does her supermodel strut back to the car and angrily speeds into her driveway. So the tow truck driver gets out now when he sees me because I come walking over now. And he's yelling at me, actually. I was like, what? Are you serious? He's yelling at me. Why aren't you coming out to see me? And I said, whoa, I was so surprised. You know how it plays out. And I can't tow your car. There's a car blocking it. I said, well, aren't aren't you supposed to be the one to help me figure that out? And he's like, the car doesn't even start, does it? And I'm like, oh, let's try to start it. And I just smiled at him and I suddenly caught him catch himself. He had taken the intense negativity thrown onto him. He took it on from the woman yelling at him about the driveway. And then in the art of like perfect transference, he transferred it onto me. Now, because I was calm and I was tuning into gratitude more than that fear of all the what ifs and the scarcity thing with money, because I was calm and just tuning into, all right, you're here alone in the middle of Berkeley and you've got to get everything taken care of. Let's tune in. I was actually able to receive that energy from him willingly and just shift it 
to sending him love and sending him my kindness, my loving kindness, really. And through that, suddenly he shifted completely. Now, I firmly believe that if I had been really frantic and in fear-based mentality, that that could have turned into a rather strong negative scenario. And this is one of the benefits of checking our patterns. Because my initial pattern, which I've worked on a lot, this one, so it wasn't very strong, but my initial um, impression or vashana in Sanskrit means impression or imprint on the mind. Vashana. Vasanas. It was to be like, who does this guy think he is yelling at me? Doesn't he know that I need help? And there was an entitlement energy and a, a disdain for being yelled at by someone. And I felt it come up in my mind. I felt it like a wave, this little pattern wave that fluctuates, right? It's a vritti or a fluctuation of the mind. And I called myself out on it. I was in tune enough with myself that I felt it arise and I chose something different for myself. And doing the opposite than what we're thinking is called pratipaksha bhavana. And pratipaksha bhavana literally means opposite thoughts should be thought of. And the full yoga sutra, just to go there, is... When disturbed by negative thoughts, opposite, positive ones should be thought of. This is pratipaksha bhavana. One more time, pratipaksha bhavana means opposite thoughts should be thought of. And this is applied by the yogis from many, many years ago, thousands of years, if you date back to when the sutras were written. And it's this idea of this, um, I, it's this energy or it's this concept that what we think is what we create outside. What we believe is what becomes true to us. And that's what we see in the world. What we believe becomes law for us and we enforce that law on everyone around us knowingly or subconsciously either way we do it so pratipaksha bhavanam is all about flipping the frequency on all of the patterns that we may carry that are detrimental to ourselves to others or both to do the opposite of what we're thinking can manifest in many ways. For example, today, very simple. Instead of letting my initial anxiety about the car breaking down take over my whole experience, I chose to trust that everything was going to be okay. And then it happened in the easiest, most effortless way I've ever seen. Right? Now I don't have my car back yet. So the thought again comes up of, Oh my gosh, how many days is it going to take? And well, shouldn't the guy be working on it and finishing it? And boom, look, there's entitlement. So rather than entitlement, graciousness. I'm so grateful that mechanic could take my car right away. I'm so grateful he called the rental car from me. I'm so grateful he told me the truth about what was going on. And by sending him that type of energy, 
guaranteed he's more likely to feel a good interaction with me about fixing my car, right? And you can make a list for yourself if you want. It can be helpful. Identify the predominant belief systems you have about yourself or the world, which ones serve you, and which ones do you feel are detrimental, which aren't serving you. Literally, make a list and, and read through, right? So Pratipaksha Bhavanam are doing the opposite than what the initial instinctual response would be is about using your higher mind in a way. So rather than just coming from instinct, from, from memory and our natural human ability to survive, we can come from our heart. We can be like, yeah, I see that fear coming up, but you know, I'm just going to keep choosing a loving energy instead, even though I'm terrified, even though I want to freak out and, you know, act crazy or just suffer silently. Instead, let's choose love. Let's see how the world responds when I choose love rather than fear. And the world will respond in kind to whatever you believe. Believe me, many people can live in the same place and have totally different experiences. And what determines this? Part of it is definitely just the life circumstances we've been given, which the yogis called karma, meaning effect, the effect of previous lifetimes or earlier imprints basically on our mind that create this next path we walk on, right? Our belief systems created the reality that we are living right now to a certain extent. Again, extreme poverty, people who have suffered abuse, war-torn countries, people who have suffered marginalization, those are circumstances not within um, most people's control, obviously. And when I say most people's control, I mean there are certain people on this earth who could change all of that if they were willing to break their belief systems. Belief systems of superiority, belief systems that they worked hard so they, they get theirs and why share, right? That one is, that one's deep. You know, it's the way we start changing the world is that when we have abundance, we share it. Think about Pratipaksha Bhavanam with greed, right? The opposite of being greedy and withholding is to share your abundance. I feel like I've been blessed to learn that from my family. They've, they're very generous and understanding of certain situations, if you will. Um, but a lot of people do not have that same experience. So I'm, I'm saying I know that I've had a privileged life with this. So it's easier for me to say, oh, you create your reality, right? But what I'm noticing is that no matter who it is, no matter what situation they've been in, different people in different walks of life, when they start applying more friendly, positive thinking and clearing out belief systems that don't serve them, they still find a certain amount of inner peace. So I'm not like really big, a big fan of being like, manifest your destiny and make a vision board. That's never really been me. I'll write my intentions. I'll contemplate it. But I also kind of let life unfold, right? But what I've noticed is that this teaching of 
changing the negative patterning to more friendly patterning because we're going to hold some kind of patterning regardless, right? So it's like this. It's like, do you want the shitty milk? Do you want the horrible milk chocolate from like the Halloween candy bin? Or do you want the best Belgian dark chocolate from the top shelf with the blueberries in it, right? And I'm, I'm talking metaphorically. It's like, do we want to choose the, the milk chocolate watered down, belief systems about ourselves and others that give us a lukewarm experience in life? Or do we want the dark chocolate from Belgium, the positive thinking, the loving thoughts, the thoughts that help us call in our reality, the thoughts that help us feel love for others even when we don't agree? When we carry those thoughts, life opens up more. It's like it just flings the door wide open and the light can shine through you. When we carry a lot of fear-based thinking, going back to the intuitive point of all this, it not only clouds our experience, but it also clouds our discernment, our viveka, our discernment. It clouds our ability to decipher for ourselves, does this serve me or does it not serve me? And if it serves me, I do more of it. If it doesn't serve me, I do less or I don't do any at all, right? Without discernment or a clear mind, we're out there floating in space and we tend to take on things that we might not choose to take on if we are clear-minded. For me, alcohol is a big example with this. When I'm really clear, I've been taking care of myself and eating well, I have no craving for alcohol. But if I'm feeling a little bit stressed or I'm traveling and other people around me are drinking, I have a tendency that I'm probably going to drink some wine, right? Not a lot. I'm a lightweight, but still for a lightweight, it's a lot, right? And every time I do that, I wake up the next day and my joints hurt and I normally don't feel motivated to do my practice or take care of myself because I'm so preoccupied with recovering. And that's my experience. It doesn't have to be yours. Go for it with the wine drinking. It's awesome. Everyone has a different experience, right? It's part of the reason the wine affects me so much because I believe that alcohol is not good for me. Definitely. Because some people live until 100 years old and drink wine every single day and they're much healthier than I am. Our belief systems create how much meaning something has for us. Our belief systems create how much something can affect us or not. Right? Think about it with food, right? If we believe all kinds of food is going to make us gain weight, then there's a higher tendency that we feel guilty about eating that kind of food, right? It's like all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I'm eating the potato chips. Oh, you shouldn't. You don't deserve it. And, and all of these societal imprints come in. And so when my intuition or my cravings or both says, you know, today is a potato chip day. I'm going to follow it. You know what I mean? Whether people say it's good for me or not, when I want to eat a bag of potato chips, I'm going to do it. And I think that this is a good rule. No matter what your body type is, if you feel called to eat something, trust it's going to be okay for you. Because if you start believing, oh, this is bad for me, it's going to harm me, look at that. All of a sudden, you have this belief that food that could potentially nourish you on some level is bad for you right? And of course, there's science. Oh, this is good for you. This is not. 
Of course that's out there. But it's up to us to be like, how much meaning do, am I going to give that? And food is just such a petty example. But think about this in life, right? So many times other people want to give us guidance about what we should be doing with our life. And if we choose to dwell in fear-based thinking, which is always charged, which is always grasping, which is always trying to hang on to whatever it can, then suddenly we lose the opportunity to tune into something higher. We lose the opportunity to feel into, do I want to believe this? Do I want to integrate this as my truth? Or is something else true for me? Just because these people have an opinion about my life doesn't mean that I have to believe what they say. So this idea of discernment and coming from intuition, it's really helpful with deciphering not only what kind of food you should eat based on true need, if you will, because... I mean, maybe this is controversial, but isn't an emotional need for eating sometimes okay? Wouldn't it be similar to having an emotional need to exercise or an emotional need to have snuggles from someone you love? Or an emotional need to go out drinking? Who knows, right? No one can say for us what's good or bad. You see, that's what I'm getting at. I swear I'm tying this together somehow. It's been a long day, my friends, but here I am, right? We, as a society, have learned good and bad, right from wrong. And some things are pretty much universal. Thou shall not kill. Or in yoga, that's called ahimsa, non-harming or non-violence. That's universal. I don't even want to say that's right or wrong. I just want to say that that's kind of the universal dharma. That's the universal glue that holds us all together so we can coexist right? But there's other things like some people will say, oh, you've got to be vegan. That's the only right way. And other people will say, no, you need to do keto. That's the only right way. And they get so caught up on being right that the other party not only becomes wrong, but they become someone they can't connect with, right? Because what happens with belief systems is they create walls around us. They block us from tuning into the natural ebb and flow of whatever is unfolding. And to me, that's what intuition is. Intuition is our ability to tune in to what is flowing through us at that time. And then through that ability to tune in, we decipher what is actually coming through for me here. What do I know inherently inside of my own intuitive body to be true? And then whatever that is, maybe the biggest work of all, besides actually figuring out what's intuition versus what's fear-based thinking, the biggest work is to actually follow that guidance. Because something that is certain about intuition is it's not always very logical. Just like today, it's like, oh, maybe I'm overreacting about the car. My logical mind was like, oh, you're overreacting. The car's just shaking a little bit. It'll be fine. It'll make it back. You'll take it in. Don't worry. It'll be fine. That was my logic. If I would have listened to my logic, I would have been stranded on the highway. My intuition was the sweet, gentle voice that said, mm, you should probably pull over. It whispered. Logic and fear, they go together. Not always, but a lot of the times. Because logic is based around survival too. Okay, how are you going to make the most money? Okay, what's safest? What's the safest bet? 
Think about it. If we all stayed with what was the safest bet in life, wouldn't we all still be living in our parents' basements and eating dinner at the same restaurants we grew up in and and hiding behind the cocoon of our childhood? Of course, most of us have stepped beyond that. We're following our path, whether we know it or not, whether we feel on path or not. The only option is that we are on path and that things are always actually working out. And that's part of the intuitive knowing too, right? That's kind of the deeper, more universal um, sense with intuition is that things are working out. If we can find this trust in life that whatever unfolds is actually in perfect timing and there is a purpose behind it, even if that purpose is to make us stronger by, because we have to grow through tribulation, Or even if that purpose is to make us a little bit more resilient and steadfast because we're being tested to the 10th degree. It's up to us whether we want to adjust our mind from a state of fear and ingratitude or logic and start to see with grace, start to see with gratitude and start to see with love. Grace, gratitude, love. If we realize that that can be the vision that we have for all of existence, Life will open up and it might not be instant gratification, but life will keep flowing if we allow it. But if we feel like we've got to be in control and everything has to be measured and everything pre-planned, suddenly we start putting ourselves in boxes. Suddenly we start daydreaming about the reality we could have had if only we were brave enough. And I, for one, don't want that to be my entire existence. And I know when I start having those kind of feelings, I need to pursue what I'm feeling in my intuition to create the life that I have dreamed about and the life that I want to live. And part of that is really deciphering through our own intuitive mind, what is the guidance you know, beyond what we feel for ourselves, can we follow the guidance around us? Because whenever we're tuned into ourselves, we're also tuned into nature, we're tuned into our surroundings, and we're tuned into everyone else too. Sometimes too much, but that's for another podcast, right? Whenever we're tuning in, it's like, just receive what is there for you. You don't have to receive everyone else's stuff, right? Like sometimes when people awaken their intuition, suddenly they start perceiving someone else's mood or someone else's thought sometimes comes into their mind and it becomes overwhelming. But the energy that's overwhelming is that we're trying to keep what's not ours. And I really like to talk about this when I go into the idea of intuition. It's like you don't need to keep any of it. Just let it flow. Again, fear-based thinking makes us keep things right? We cling, we pack them away like acorns, even negative energy, right? We, we carry that negative energy from someone, just like the driver today, he got yelled at, and then he was mad at her. And then he yelled at me and he felt better. <laughs> Thankfully, I was conscious enough at that time to not continue the field of projection onto my poor mechanic, right? So the work or perhaps the journey with this is to realize that if we have a negative thought, it might start to manifest more and more. It's going to grow bigger. 
So we can nip it in the bud by changing our thinking, by flipping our perspective literally to the opposite end of whatever it is. And that will help us move away from fear-based thinking and move towards intuitive-based relating and feeling into the world. Because when we're coming from our intuition, we are naturally more capable of deciphering what the next move should be. We don't have to grasp or Google or do anything like that to find tarot cards. We can do that if you enjoy the cosmic play of it all. But whatever decisions you make, whatever guidance you choose to follow, make sure it's coming from inside first. Make sure there's a big yes behind what you're doing. Because if there's a no, there's no sense of doing it because you're just enforcing someone else's version of reality or perhaps your own that you're wishing to shift. You're enforcing that onto your present state. And the way we work towards letting go is we simply do so. We let go. Take 10 steps back and let go of the attachment that the story needs to go one way or the other. Instead, start to play with the experience of it all, whatever life has to offer. Just play with it a little bit. And whenever another vashana, a negative one, comes up, another impression that doesn't serve you, thoughts about yourself especially, because I think a lot of us are struggling with that, just put it out on the table of your mind or write it down. And then literally underneath it, flip it and write the opposite thought. And start to notice that whenever that negative self-critical thought or critical of other thought comes up, you just start to tune into the opposite thought. And in that way, eventually that becomes your new pattern. This is literally just repatterning one thing away and patterning something else in. I would like to say, I feel like I'm beyond needing patterns, but I feel like as long as we're existing, we're going to have patterns. There's, there's no need to pretend that we're all enlightened and we're free of patterns because that's some serious denial. And I think there's very few people in the world who are. There exist, I'm sure. But for the rest of us, the work is spelled out. Identify negativity that creates fear-based thinking. Whenever fear kicks in, decipher, is it also like because I'm saving my life? Because if that's the case, you save your life. You follow the fear-based thinking, which we could call fight or flight, essentially. But if the fear-based thinking is coming in and actually taking over your day-to-day awareness, if it's taking over all of the experiences you have because of what might happen or what you are worried about, it's time to change. It's time to say, you know, let me, let me call this out for what it is. Let me see what I believe and let me see what's actually true for me and what's a story that someone else told me or that I somehow told myself based on what I observe from the world or based on a past life, if, if that's part of your belief system. Let me see how I can shift my thinking. Let me see how I can just tune into myself right now and actually feel what's going on without a logical mind getting in the way and blocking me from doing it. Because for me, when my logical mind gets in the way and blocks me from doing something, I think of that as self-sabotage. Whenever I can trust and simply accept the moment as it is and play with the experience with an unattached energy, 
life opens up in ways that are astounding and unimaginably beautiful. So there are some things in life that we don't have a choice over. But for the things that we do have a choice over, how we conduct our thinking about the world and ourselves, what we choose to have over for dinner in our mind, we can shift that. And the benefit of shifting it is, life opens up its arms and hugs you. Step away from fear. And step into your intuition. Thank you so much for listening to Walking Dharma. Namaste.